Thanks to Mackenzie Reed for being our gospel reader. Nice thing about these videos is you can go back and re-listen to it. You might want to do that with this one. I thought it was interesting as she read it that in the first five, five verses of that reading, Jesus tries kind of two metaphors or many parables to explain something to his listeners. So the, the first three verses are where he talks about the sheepfold that the sheep uh, go into and the ways you can get into it. You can either go through the gate, which is what the sheep and the shepherd do, and the sheep um, uh, get in safely and get out safely. Or you can be like bandits and thieves who go over the wall to disrupt everything. And those two words, bandits and thieves, are really significant, and we will come back to them in a little bit. Then Jesus shifts gears, and in the next two verses, he talks a bit more about the sheep themselves, how they uh, recognize the, uh, the shepherd's voice, and they won't follow the voice of another. So Jesus lays that on his audience, and then the evangelist John in the sixth verse pauses to say, and they didn't get it. They didn't understand what he was trying to say to them. So Jesus then doubles down and goes with a different analogy. Later in this chapter, he will talk about himself as the good shepherd. And he's already mentioned that once here. But twice in the next three verses, he's going to say not that I'm the good shepherd. He's going to say, I am the gate. And he's going to compare himself to an inanimate object, which seems a little uh, unusual. But he says, I am the gate. I am the gate. And, and, and his ending charge is that, that you know, the, the bandits and thieves, they're the ones who lead to disruption and despair, but Jesus comes that we might have life and have it abundantly. So we're going to talk more about bandits and thieves and gates, but let's, let's just start out with gates. When you hear the word gate, what, what comes to mind? Um, rushing to a gate at an airport. Arriving at the pearly gates in heaven. Bill Gates, Microsoft. Uh, maybe those came to mind. Maybe you have other thing, words that come to mind when you hear the word gate. I, for whatever reason, thought of gated communities. And actually, the reason I thought of gated communities was, was it really fits today's gospel lesson. Because when you think about it, a sheep fold or a sheep pen is literally a gated community for the sheep. So, you know, start, started thinking about that a little bit more. And, 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 and then, then I thought about um, uh, who lives in gated communities in our world right now. So I did a little web research, uh, none of which is very current, like the most current stats I could find on this was like 2016. But right now, roughly 10 or 11% of Americans live in gated communities. Um, the largest growing group of people living in gated communities, at least ethnic group, is Spanish-speaking people. That's because the greatest number of gated communities are being built in the American Southwest. So California, Arizona, and if you count West Texas, uh, that part of the country. Um, uh, what's the number one reason people move to a gated community? What do you think the answer to that is? Uh, the number two reason is what I thought would be number one, which is security, but that came in number two. Uh, number three is kind of the prestige that goes with a gated community. But what was the number one reason that people themselves cited for moving to a gated community? And the answer is privacy. They moved there for their privacy, which kind of cuts against the idea that gated communities, uh, in a sense, create an internal community. Maybe that's what the marketing idea on them is, but people themselves, a majority actually, who move there say, we're moving here to kind of be by ourselves, to have our own privacy. 
That then, to the extent that that's true, uh, helps us to understand what's difficult about this passage for the original audience as well as for us. Um, it was kind of interesting. Once you start doing web searches, then you just go down a rabbit hole and you just keep looking at stuff. So after re researching gated communities, then I started researching this particular uh, reading uh, in various uh, sermon you know, blogs and sites. And I usually don't look at them, but I looked at them this week. And they were all making a big point of, you have to make sure that your audience understands sheep because everybody lives in, town, or in, in cities or in the suburbs nowadays. They're not agricultural. They don't know anything about animal husbandry. They're not going to understand what Jesus is saying about the sheep. I kind of thought about it, and then I thought, well, you know, probably the, the, myself and 99% of you who are listening to this do not know a lot of technical things about sheep. But I think we all know that they live in flocks, and, you know, they have shepherds or they have sheep dogs, and maybe you've seen those cool videos of the shepherds sheep dogs that like guide the sheep into the fold. Uh, I think that's all we need to know about the sheep for Jesus' purposes. So um, I don't think that's the preaching challenge. I think the challenge for us today to understand Jesus' metaphor is that we don't want to be sheep, and by that I don't mean in the sense that we don't want to be the, the reputation of sheep, that they're not very bright in this group, uh, you know, herd mentality. It's, it's part of that, but we don't want to be sheep in the sense that we are increasingly uh, independent, splintering, and going our own ways. Sheep are part of a flock. They solve threats and problems together. We increasingly are doing the exact opposite. In the face of threats and problems, we're just kind of going our own ways. And, and you know how this goes. In all of these examples I'm about to give you, you know, there are individual justifications for all of them, and that's okay, but I'm just talking the composite us. So think about it. Increasingly, as people, we what? We commute in our cars by ourselves. We sit there and eat dinner by ourselves in front of a TV or with one or two other people, but in silence, just watching. We um, maybe don't like what's going on in the public schools, so we send our kids to private schools, and then we homeschool the kids, um, moving further and further apart. We don't trust the police will protect us, so we arm ourselves, and we're all our little own armories. Um, people increasingly don't go to big not-for-profit hospitals that are there to treat everybody and go to these boutique hospitals that are for a certain uh, group of individuals that can afford them. And even with churches, um, in massive decline are denominational churches like ours, which are connected to each other so that you have some quality control on clergy and so that you can do more in mission together. And what's the fastest growing form of Protestant in our country at the moment, or at least the slowest declining, I think is the better way of putting it. That would be non-denominational churches, churches that are real intentionally not connected and they can do their own thing. And obviously that's appealing and it's, and it's working, but I don't think it does the long-term body of Christ any good to increasingly be separated from one another because then we're just not talking to each other anymore, and we're not accountable to ourselves or to the divine when we're on our own. So the thing about this story is, is, is not only do we perhaps not get it, but we don't want to get it. And if there's any solace in all of that, we know from John chapter 10, verse 6, that Jesus' original audience didn't get it either. 
but perhaps they didn't get it for slightly different reasons, and that gets us to bandits and thieves. So those words in the original Greek are really interesting. Uh, the word uh, thief is also the same one used for the uh, people who are running the tables for changing the money at the ta changing uh, money when Jesus overthrew their, their tables. In other words, um, they were the religious elite of that time who exploited the poor pilgrims who came to Jerusalem, who had to exchange their Roman coins that had images on them for Jewish coins that did not have an image on them. Remember, one of the commandments, do not make a graven image. And, and they, they did so at a very uh, exploitive exchange rate and ripped people off. And that infuriated Jesus. And he overthrew their tables and said of them, you're thieves. It's a den of thieves. This is not what God intended. And, and so on, on the one hand, Jesus is saying that the religious leaders who are supposed to be the shepherds for the sheep, they've abdicated that. They instead take advantage of the sheep. They climb over the wall to get into the sheep pen. But then he did kind of their exact opposite. The word bandit is the same word used of the criminals on the cross in Matthew and Mark, uh, which means revolutionary. And, and the revolutionaries wanted to take out the Romans and also wanted to take out uh, the Jewish elite who collaborated with the Romans. And, and so basically the revolutionaries wanted to just blow it all up. And nowadays maybe it would still be elites versus populace. I mean, it's not like these are new categories. And Jesus says the bandits and the thieves, or the, the, the thieves and the bandits, they, they climb over the wall with no good intentions and only to disrupt and to destroy. So having said that, is Jesus throwing up his hands? Is he giving up as well? Uh, far from it, far from it. And that's why the gate part is so important. We know from that time that, wow, they didn't have a lot of metal springs and they didn't have metal hinges. So it was really difficult, if not impossible, to have an actual gate on a sheepfold then. And, and this is still the case for Bedouin shepherds in the Middle East who set up sheepfolds, but they don't use a gate. What's the gate in the sheepfold then and now? It's the shepherd. I mean, the shepherd stands there and keeps watch at night. The shepherd will sleep in the gate. And, and, and Jesus' original audience would have heard that. You know, it's interesting that John's Gospel notes that they don't get the first set of descriptions, but they get the second set. Jesus is talking about himself as this good shepherd who is also the gate. They're one and the same. And, and, and the good shepherd loves and protects and knows the sheep and is willing to risk something for them or even sacrifice something for them. And the sheep understand that, which is why the sheep are only willing to follow the shepherd's voice. And in John's Gospel in particular, what Jesus is is who he gives us his spirit so that we can be. In other words, we, we at some level are the sheep, we're part of the flock, but we're also the gate. We're the ones through whom others who, who aren't connected uh, see what the community is like and is it authentic, does it actually care, uh, does it respect anybody who happens to enter the fold um, for good purposes, and, and um, is, it, is it a place that legitimately uh, sacrifices for the good of many and for the sake of the world. If that's the case, then tons and tons of people want to be a part of, of that flock and be gates in it as well. And I think you all know that. I think you all know that's our calling, uh, to be connected to each other, to be part of the communion of saints that shares the meal together and then is the body of Christ in the world. I, I think you all understand that. 
And you understand how exciting and also accountable it is to in some small way be the gate, to be the one who, who uh, watches out for others, but also uh, invites and welcomes others in. Um, and, and also is the lens through whom others see the faith community. And, and so there is a responsibility there to project uh, an authentic and, and real and hopefully um, uh, inviting sense of who the body of Christ is. That's what we do. But, you know, you can talk about that forever. So if you, if you have time, I'm going to describe a video that we're going to show in the live uh, service. But as a YouTube video, I don't think we'll be able to embed it uh, in this video. But if you searched for um, angry little girl uh, and her squeaky shoes on YouTube, I, I think you'd find this. And I'll just describe it to you. So I think it's shot um, possibly in Taiwan. And so it's all in, uh, um, uh, that would be Mandarin. Is that right, Abby? Are you with me? So it's, I think it's all in Mandarin. I'm, I'm not totally sure about that. Um, uh, but uh, on the one hand, you can't understand what the father is saying. On the other hand, you know exactly what the father is saying. So it opens with a shot of a little girl like this. And remember, when we want to get in our gated communities uh, and all we have is body language, this is how we do it, right? Cross your arms, just deflect any incoming input. And so the little girl is like this with her back to the camera. And the dad starts talking to her, like I think inviting her to turn around and walk with him. But every time he speaks, she jumps like this and turns another 90 degrees and then he comes and talks and then she jumps again. And she probably could have done that forever, except for the problem is she's also wearing a brand new pair of squeaky shoes. So each time she makes her jump, they squeak. And the first two or three times that doesn't affect her, she's still really mad at her dad. But you can hear all the adults in the background kind of beginning to laugh and chuckle at this. And finally, after a couple of more jumps, she, she just kind of breaks down and she starts laughing. And finally, she throws her arms open like this. And suddenly, she has gone from her gated community to her open, smiling, invitational self. And the coolest thing of all is at the end, her dad doesn't offer his hand to her. She reaches up and grabs his hand. The natural reaction of when the gates are opened is that we reach out, we long for connection. We do want to be a part of each other. Be the gate, people of God. Be one of the sheep as well. It's important to be connected, and it's important to welcome. Because this is how faith beats fear. And it's how joy transforms our sadness. It's how light bursts into the darkness. And it's how you actually have life and have it, have it more fully, not death. All of those things are things to think about this week because we are still in the Easter season. And every single day of this season, it is so important that you and I take that journey over and over again from Good Friday to the good news of Easter.